You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to another edition of the Out of Sight Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Network. Chill ride, chill vibes as always on this podcast. Even though, you know, the Eagles somehow lost that game yesterday. So, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I've probably been hitting the whiskey a little hard. Maybe not too hard, but, you know. On the pod today, I have someone that I've been hoping to get on the pod for a while. This man is the... I'm just going to call him the CEO of the Liberty Ballers Network. Screw it. I'm just going to give him that title, whether he wants it or not. Um, He is one of the hosts of the best-named podcast in the universe. I don't care what anybody says. Mark Marin, you can get my mentions if you want to. I don't care. This man is one of the three hosts of the Gastroenteritis Blues Steve Littman in the building. What's up? How are you? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me on. I love the podcast. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, Big, big energy, big words coming from the CEO of the Liberty Ballers Network. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to talk to you about a post that you put up today on the site. And I'm actually really glad that I held on until as late as I did. Because, listen, this is something that needs to be talked about. Sixers owner, Josh Harris. Folks, the the title of the article is just, Joshua Harris thinks we're all stupid. So let me me just start with this. How did you come up with the idea for this piece? Let's just start there. So the, uh, I guess the way that I came up with the idea for the piece, like, I, me, like, like all the other Sixers fans, I've noticed like the actions of, particularly Joshua Harris during this pandemic when it's been the main things have been him trying to cut people's salaries at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and they, they ended up, they weren't able to do that because Embiid pretty publicly was like, nah, it's actually not happening. Like Embiid was basically like, I'll pay their salaries if I have to. Uh, so they took that back. Embiid and killed then, all that noise real quick. It, that was like a true franchise leadership moment from him. And I, I was happy to see it. So, that happened, and then pretty soon after that, they start bidding to buy the f- Mets. <laughs> so it's, it's fine. I'll take care. I'll take care of it in post. <laughs> there you go. So they go and try to buy the Mets, which is like they just tried to cut people's like working people's salaries, which you would presume was like a, a measure to be like, you know, we're strapped on cash. It's a pandemic. It's really hard for everybody. Well, don't go and try to pay two billion dollars now. And then most recently, it was them trying to use taxpayer money to build a new stadium. So, uh, and also, I, I have a source that uh, worked for Josh in New York. So, I had a sort of personal story that I was able to share at the top from a source within his network that I thought was like a pretty good metaphor for the way it seems that he feels about, 
you know, the people of the stature of the people whose uh, salaries they were trying to cut at the beginning of the pandemic. And you called you called the the story anecdotal, but I mean, it's really hard to see what Harris has been doing for the last I don't know since he's taken ownership of the team and just be like, dude, do you realize like you're you're not invisible? We can see what you're doing. You're not hiding from us. Like yeah, I mean. I, I ended up yesterday before I submitted the piece, I checked with my source again, because now it's going to be like in written form and more easily, because I talked about it on the gastroenteritis blues last week, but uh, I checked with my source. Any, uh, we don't need any libel or slander suits. Yeah, exactly. So and I we checked. can't cover that. We don't have insurance for that. And I wanted to make sure it didn't put them in a bad position. And the source responded to me and they were like, oh my God, this is like nothing. Like, these kinds of stories of Josh saying stuff like this happens every day. Like this would not point me out in any way. So uh, this is very much in line with uh, the way he's presented himself, you know? Let me start here. When Josh Harris and his consortium, they were announced they were buying the team, did my research as everybody else did. And then of course learned that he was, you know, part owner of the New Jersey Devils. So were you like me where you were just like, oh, I don't know about this one. It's like, yeah, he's a he's got money, but he where where is his allegiance really? Like, how do you feel about those kinds of guys that own like multiple sports teams? Yeah, my experience with it is like Ed Snyder, who owned the Flyers and the Sixers. Exactly. Very famously loved the Flyers and didn't care much about the Sixers. What I hoped, I think at the time when Harris was hired, the Sixers had been like sort of very mediocre for a long time. And uh, I, you know, I think what I thought is, and which is what I really do think about most owners is like, as long as they care about the team, about winning, um, and they're willing to empower the right kinds of people and then stay out of the way, I'm sort of fine with, you know, whoever is going to own the team is going to be some rich guy who I would probably hate to have a conversation with, but <laughs> if they stay out of the way enough, I really feel like, you know, I don't need to focus on them too much, which is like my whole hope, you know, now we're in a position where we've learned so much about Harris and about what he does and uh, what he doesn't do that it's hard to like divorce my feelings about the front office and everything from the person at the very, very top who does the hiring. So it's hard. So with the point you just made, it sounds like you're in the kind of pot that I'm in where it's like, okay, you're the owner, you're the owner. That's all right. Just sign the checks, be on your merry way. Like, I don't need you doing Jerry Jones type stuff or like uh, Jim Dolan type stuff. I don't need you messing things up. Sit in the office, write the checks, that's it. Get people underneath you that handle all this stuff that know what they're doing like sometimes i just don't think that josh harris is not hands off enough do you get that vibe from him a hundred percent no so and uh your own weitzman who wrote um tanking to the top i spoke to him last week on the podcast and we were talking about uh harris and and his evolution sort of when he came into ownership of the sixers he was like a private equity guy who was like just a big money guy buying a basketball team, which happens a lot. You know, these billionaires buy basketball teams because they're fun things to have. But certainly and they no, think they're going to make money. A hundred percent. And certainly no basketball background or any type of acumen in that way. 
Uh, and then you fast forward to last offseason, and it's Josh Harris on the podium talking about Al Horford and Tobias Harris and their fit with the starters. You know what I mean? Like, so it's clear that he, over the years, has liked to be more in the spotlight. Now, maybe that's changed after this year and after, like, the shellacking he's taking publicly. But what do you know about fit, Josh? Come on. No, exactly. Like, why are we having this person who has no – he has no, like – I'm not saying you have to be a player, but you should have some uh, experience in the league. And he doesn't, you know, he's just there because he's rich enough. So uh, he definitely likes to be more involved. And I think that uh, the more an owner like him is involved, the worse it is, especially if he wants to protect his wallet, which, you know, he does. So it's, it's very it's like there's a conflict of interest. I think the first warning signs where Josh Harris kind of got in his feelings a little bit uh his his wallet was starting to like you know co- couple zeros got knocked off the old uh <laughs> check balance and whatnot was the 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 Sam Hinkie thing if Josh had you know stones he should have been like you know what we got Embiid we got Simmons we got all this capital I'm going to be the owner of a championship franchise in like any number of years I don't care what you say, Adam Silver. I don't care what the rest of you owners say. Right. This is how I'm doing it. And if y'all got a problem with that, y'all can kick rocks. Yeah. So when, I don't know about you, but when they first hired him and then he hired Hinky, my opinion of him, having very little knowledge of who he was or anything like that, was like, wow, good on this guy as an owner to hire somebody with a vision like Hinky's, which is not an easy sell. You know what not I mean? Not at all. Like, it's not an easy thing to be an owner and to have a team that's going to intentionally lose for an undetermined amount of time. Like that's, that's a hard thing to sign up for, but he absolutely did sign up for it. You know, it's not like and in his interview. At, and I'm sorry. When, when you look at like other Philly franchises, like, like the Phillies, like who at that time, like who knew what the heck their plan was. Right. The Eagles kind of sort of had a plan. Cause you know, Howie Roseman is a God in this town. Love right. Howie Roseman. Shout out Howie Roseman. And then, the the flyers are were like okay we might be rebuilding we might be going for it we're not sure we're kind of in limbo we have no idea what the hell's going on the sixers with harris and hinky at the beginning had a solid plan like i just don't know why the deviation just all the nba pressure well so what what became clear is that like he liked the plan to a certain degree and then in practice the plan was a lot harder to stand by and watch, you know? So like he had a harder time, I think as the years went on and it was like, you know, the second year of it and Okafor got into all those things off the court. And I think Harris felt like he was in over his head. Uh, he talks to the commissioner and then the commissioner, they, they come up with the Colangelo's obviously we know what happens from there, but he totally aborted the plan that he signed up for, which really just it does a disservice to himself because he signed up for this plan and didn't let the guy he entrusted it to, to see it through. So uh, that, that was obviously the biggest uh, and first sign that was like, Oh no, this guy might not be uh, in it for the right reasons and might not have his eye on the actual prize. God forbid you piss off, you know, people like Angelo Cataldi or, you know, Mike Missanelli who haven't had any real vision in 20 years. Right. Right. And the, those guys of the city or like the Howard Eskins of the city. Like it's 2000 at the, at the time it would have been mid two thousands. Like yeah. 
these are like things need to be a little bit different. Like we had we had the show you love era. That was fun, but there was a certain ceiling. And I appreciated the fact that Harris took a swing and was just like, look, you know what? I'm gonna do it this way and we'll see how it goes. And then like you said, he just kind of jumped ship too early. Well, it's what so many of us wanted the team to do for so long because the worst place to be in the NBA is the middle. Like if you're in the middle, you don't have a top guy and there's no clear path to getting one, you know? And it's not like Philadelphia is New York where, you know, guys sometimes will be like, oh, well, being in New York would be really fun. Philly's a big market, but not big enough to totally trump all those other things. So they bring in a guy like Hinky who says, I don't see a clear path without going to the bottom. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, he, he was right when he hired Hinky, And then from there, it's just sort of all gone downhill. And then re- real fans, real Sixers fans, real NBA fans, they understood what the heck was going on. Right. We had Pablo Torre, friend of the process. Shout out Pablo Torre. Like he was championing this whole thing from the jump. And yeah. like he just he and everybody else got drowned out by all the old fogies of the world. It was just frustrating. Maybe that's what got to Harris after a while, just like the give and take, the push a, and pull. I think a few things happened. One is that uh, from an optics perspective, it, came, it became really bad with Jaleel. So Jaleel gets in these like very public problems, you know, and Hinky, like one of, I do think one of the things that he could have been better at is talking to the media and like making sure that his message was out there and that enough people were hearing it just to get them off his back, you know? Um, and so that started to happen. And I think the league hated uh, the way that the Sixers dealt with the media and didn't sort of like try to work for the other team in trades, you know, all that sort of thing. So those things started to mount up. And then you have the commissioner who uh, is the top guy in the league who clearly doesn't like this, that one of the top market teams is losing. Uh, but it was really right there. I mean, the next season, Embiid played, and they were good when he was on the court, even when they weren't a good team. So uh, it, it really is a bummer that they, like, pulled the cord like that, and now they sit where they do today. Let's fast forward now to March of this year in the kind of beginnings of the pandemic situation that we're all in. That's, mm-hmm. kind of, that's kind of a weird way to phrase it, like pandemic situation. Like, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I should be way more extreme with my description of this. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about it before, and the, the utter, I can't even think of the word that I'm looking for, just, like, <laughs> just the not caring about people, like the, the concessions people, or like people that just, they're, they're not players or like management, you know? Right. Like, what was your first, what was your initial thought when you read that headline? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you feel like sort of embarrassed, you know, that like, yes. that this guy has so much money and the whole, and, and, you know, he's not the only owner. There are all these owners and they're all incredibly rich that they have so much money. And during this time, which is so difficult, they have the option, you know, they're not, going paycheck to paycheck they're not paying rent every month like exactly all of these people are fine for five more lifetimes and why don't you just why don't you just go ahead and tell the people uh how much josh harris and uh mike rubin and those guys are worth i just know that josh has 4.9 billion um i think rubin is in the two billion range and no and rubin is like a minority owner i mean it's it's harrison blitz like rubin can't even go to golf with these guys seriously yeah um (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, so I, honestly, you feel, I think Mark Stein is the one who broke that uh, story that they were getting ready to reduce salary in these people. And it's really just like, uh, it seems like such a no brainer if you were to have that much money and also forget about like the money or doing good things for people. Like how do you not as the public owner of a very public franchise, not want the bad optics, you know, of that sort of thing of like, don't you know how you're going to look in a second? In you know, a when city like Philadelphia right. where those optics are terrible and you right. will get rightfully killed for it. And the people whose money, like the people who you're taking money out of their pockets are the same people who have season tickets and who go to games and sit in the 400 level. You know, it's like you you're may really be, sitting in their face. You may be able to get away with that in New York. Maybe Los Angeles, right. possibly Miami. You cannot do that kind of thing in this town. You cannot. You know, the thing is that you can be an owner and be hated by your, your fan, the fans of your franchise. James Dolan has Robert like... Sarver. <laughs> Robert Sarver. Robert um, Sarver, Dan Snyder. Like, there are guys that just have an incredibly thick skin for, uh, for like, getting people like talking about them on the internet and their fans sort of not liking them. Clearly Dolan doesn't have the thickest skin because he will like throw fans out of the game who suggest he should sell the team. Listen, James um, Dolan threw Charles Oakley out of the building. Okay. Right. Like, you know, so I think that, I think that all of these people have really big egos. And I think that as the Sixers become a laughing stock, which they really shouldn't, they, they have too many good players and we're coming from too good of a position uh, to where they are now to be a laughing stock. I really don't think that they like that. Um, so honestly, what I just hope is that it becomes uncomfortable enough soon for him to empower the right people or sell the team. And it just kind of went downhill from there. Right. What we were just talking about happened in March. Three months later, Josh Harris is out here trying to buy the Mets. Not a good look. Right. Not a good look when you're trying to buy the one of the rivals of the baseball team of the city whose basketball team you also own right josh what are you doing clearly clearly doesn't care or as i sort of uh alleged in my article he just thinks we're all idiots that you know he thinks that we won't understand and we won't put two and two together and we won't uh you know hit him where it hurts and you know dan snyder the only reason that they changed their name and they're now the Washington football team is that companies like Nike started to refuse to work with them. You know, right. like all these people just care about money. So it's like as a Sixers fan, what you can do is uh, write online because they don't like seeing their net worth trending as well. Yes. As well as <laughs> they really don't like that. Um, and also the next time you want to buy a Sixers jersey or you want to buy a hat, go to a different website. Don't go to the Sixers.com. Um, but that's really that's that's your options. I get all my Sixers jerseys from Mitchell and Ness. Yeah, sorry, right. right. That's what I'm doing. That's how right. that's how it works. Um, the the Mets deal didn't include the TV network, which I don't I don't know why that would or would not be deal breaker. Like they I, wanted I to put together some sort of ridiculous like tri-state area network so people in Philly could like watch the Devils. Who who cares? What what are we doing? Nobody in this town gives a rat about the Devils. Not no. one person. Maybe there's that one dude in on like the 
600 block of Oregon Avenue. Maybe it's that one guy. That's it. But there's no city who is like more monogamous with their sports teams than Philadelphia fans. Like you see very few like uh, Sixers and Cowboys and Lakers fans. You know what I mean? Like it's very much four for four when you talk to people from where we're from. And I would just like to elaborate on that. Um, Mike Scott got in a fight last year because he wore Washington professional football team gear. Like that's how, that's how ridiculous this town is sometimes. Right. Right. That, that is the level to which they, they <laughs> that love is the level team. of ridiculous right. that we're playing with here. That's, right. the, that's the bar. <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. And most recently, the most egregious act of disrespect and thinking we're morons. I get it. Everybody's getting like new awesome arenas. There's the Chase Center in San Francisco. But let's face it, the, the Warriors are champions twice over. So they, I, I feel like they kind of deserve it at this point. Mm-hmm. I always forget how old Wells Fargo Center is because it was the first Union Center and then the Rokovia Center and it was the Core State Center and it was whatever other friggin' banks were in this town. It was just like, oh, we'll put our names on that. Right. I, I get it. You want a new arena. But, dude, if you're worth close to $5 billion – don't, don't ask me for my tax money. Just don't. So the backstory on this is that the Sixers do, do not own their arena. Um, you know, and, and it makes a franchise basically double in value if the team owns the arena. Um, so what Harris and company wanted was to build a new arena at Penn's Landing um, using taxpayer money, which would have amounted to just about uh, three quarters of a billion dollars. Come on. Um, to build the stadium. And then once they have the stadium, the team is that much more valuable. So then that's when they could sell, you know? So basically they're looking at the franchise now and it's not at a place where it's valuable enough to sell it because they look at these things like stocks, you know, they want the value to be really high when they sell it. Uh, what, what annoys me and makes me mad and should feel like insulting to Sixers fans is that, the way they try to frame it is like, oh my God, what a boon for the community. Like how great would this be to empower the workers in the area? And it's like, the only thing there would be- on so many deaf ears though. The only thing there would be Sixers games. The Sixers only play for like five months in the year. Like, what is the point? And like, it's not like people are always hanging around the stadiums when there aren't games. Like they they would come up with restaurants, but why do you need to use all of this other money you know, if you're Josh Harris and you want to do something philanthropic, it's super easy for you to do something philanthropic. You shouldn't have like a quid pro quo for you to, you give me this and then I'll be a nice guy and help the community. Like, I don't you think it should work that to way. do that. Right. Like, you want to be philanthropic, Josh Harris? Listen, go around, go around the city. Go to North Philly. Go to West Philly. Go right. to South, Northeast, whatever. And just say, all right, you know what? That playground needs work. That basketball court needs work. That recreation center needs work. This, this over here, we could, we could do up this football field here, put some new grass down. Like there are tons of things that you can do that are way more, they make you look way better than just saying, all right, we're going to build a new arena at Penn's Landing, which for the record, really love that idea. I just don't want to put my tax dollars in it. Honestly, I don't understand. Like you would think that he would just sort of, fall backwards into doing something good just as like a publicity stunt. Like why wouldn't they just invest a bunch of money in North Philly or something 
as a publicity stunt, completely disingenuous, but it would actually be good for the community. Like, it just seems so easy. Like, it would be so easy for them to have started from a better place. But it, I mean, it clearly is like not caring uh, about the opinion of the people that buy the tickets. From that standpoint, Josh Harris needs to do one thing. He needs to get on the phone with Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie and just be like, yo, how do you do this? How do yeah, you right. make it work? Because <laughs> right. Jeff Lurie is Jeff Lurie is hands down. I'm sorry to say this to all the Phillies and Flyers fans out there. Jeff Lurie is the best owner in town right now. 100%. He's great. No, 100%. He, he cannot does, debate that at all with me. He does the right amount of being involved and not being involved. You know, I think that he knows when his voice isn't necessarily needed, you know? Uh, he empowers the right people. He, he, of course, will have final say if he wants to get involved with something, but they do lots of initiatives with helping the community, and he empowers his players, you know, what he talked about George Floyd and uh, Black Lives Matter and everything like that. Like, he's on the right side of history in that way. So he, he is honestly right. the, the kind of owner that I would like to root for. It, it could be way worse in terms of the, who the owner of the football team is. Yeah. It could be Jerry Jones. It could be some, it could be some guy like the former Houston Texans owner who passed away. Like it could, oh, be, a, it could yeah. be way, it could be so much worse. Right. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Now, here we are at this, at this crossroads here where we're going into a season where, God, we don't even know when it's going to start, to be honest. Right. Like, we're still, we, we don't know when there's going to be a draft, free agency. And with Harris still just being as involved as he was this offseason as maybe last season where, again, he was talking about fit with Al Horford, Tobias Harris, which... I, I don't want to hear what you have to say about fit. Like, what, or about basketball. Or about What's basketball. Yeah, just be the guy that writes the checks. Write the checks, sign the checks. That's all right. we need you to do. Like, you don't even need to be the face of the franchise. We have Embiid and Simmons for that. Just sit in your office and just, oh, my God. Um, yeah, glad. And this, this line was fantastic when you talked about the failed arena proposal. Uh, thankfully, the city told Harris to go home and get a shine box. That was, that was nice. That was a nice Thank touch. you. I was happy to work in that reference. I, listen, I appreciate any good movie quote in a, uh, in a column. I, I do it a lot myself, Thank so, I was, yes, so I'm yes, very appreciative. And when you look at what they've done to the front office, which is basically nothing so far, Alex Rucker is out the door, I, I, I think. Not 100% sure about that. And right. 
what should be the plan here for Josh Harris after he got completely and utterly embarrassed? You know, I mean, embarrassed is the right word. They play the Celtics, who everybody had the Sixers over this year, coming into the year. It's like it was Milwaukee and the Sixers at the top, and then, you know, Toronto and Boston, good teams, Miami Heat, we'll see. Uh, and then the Celtics just completely play them off the court. And I know Simmons didn't play, but they should not have been bad, that bad to get swept. So now where we're at is that they promise to sort of reinvigorate the front office, and they're doing a deep dive, and they're going to do something uh, soon. And all I want, I no longer have any hope to, you know, like Harris. I don't need to like Harris. You know, I don't need to watch him. I don't, you know, I don't root for him. He has nothing to do with it. I need him to empower the right people and like an actual thorough process of hiring people. What I'm afraid of, you know, it's Monday at 6.30 when we're recording this. So, you know, maybe, please God, something will happen later tonight. Who knows? But <laughs> Something could break in the next 12 hours and I would right. be completely okay with that. <laughs> so what I'm afraid of is that they're not going to really do anything. That Elton's going to be the GM and Scott O'Neill and Ed Cohen and uh, the rest of those people are just going to stick around and they're going to hire a coach and then that's it. You know, I don't think that you can empower the same people who got you into this position in order to get you out of it. I think you need to totally clean house and start over. Can you leave Elton in the position that he's in and just completely deep six all the Colangelo cronies and it would be a net win? I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I actually like Elton. I, when he talks, I, you know, he comes across as genuine. and He makes uh, sense to me. He knows basketball. He seems like a hard worker and people seem to like him. I don't have a problem with him as a part of the front office, but it's sort of strange how it seems like between last year and this year, now Elton got like a promotion that now he's the GM, but it's like this year went terribly, you know? So yeah. I, I don't have a problem with him staying in the front office. I, I just worry about in what way that will restrict who they can hire to fill in the front office. Um, you know, like will, will, will they hire somebody above him as president of basketball operations or will it be Elton and new generals? Uh, Whatever it is, I hope it's Elton and new people because it looks like Elton's here regardless. Um, and I'm not willing to give up that Elton is like a valuable executive. But what it really can't be is like the entire brain trust that was just here. Talking about the coach, I kind of get the sense that depending on who the head coach is, I'm pretty much going to know whose final decision it was. Do, what do you do mean you, by that? Do you kind of like, I feel like maybe Elton wants to hire one guy to fix it but then josh harris is getting way too egotistical and he's just he's just swinging his you know what around and just saying <laughs> you know what this I, I don't like this idea i i want this guy yeah you know it's interesting because the rumor i think started last night about mike d'antoni who's now not he's not going back to houston and uh there's a report that he's going to interview this week uh, in Philadelphia, who is interviewing him if everybody's getting fired? Great. <laughs> I don't know. Is it like Alex Rucker with a crate on his way out being like, so Mike, where'd you grow up? I don't understand really what the plan is. But <laughs> Alex Rucker's literally going to be walking out the door and then just D'Antoni's <laughs> going to show up and just, oh, we're, we're having the meeting on the bench over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, social distancing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the thing about D'Antoni is D'Antoni was an assistant under Brett for like half a season. Um, he was well liked when he was here, and there have been rumblings about the Colangelo reg regime people 
liking D'Antoni to the degree that they were very disappointed uh, when he left for Houston after that season and was no longer able to be Brett's replacement. Um, I don't know what sort of uh, allegiance Elton Brand might have. I mean, you would think Elton Brand knows Ty Lue a little bit because they've been around. I mean, I'm sure he knows D'Antoni as well because Elton was in the league for so long. Yep. Um, I don't know if Elton has like a bent for a guy who was an NBA player and has a ring already, or if uh, they would want somebody more like D'Antoni, who is a more of an innovator and more of an ideas guy. Uh, I'm interested uh, and would be happy for them to interview both of them. But again, I, I just think that the order of operations is important here and you need to have the right people in place that are hiring the person who's going to coach before you hire the coach and then go out and say, this position's available, but this is the coach. You know what I mean? Like, don't force people into that. You should hire people you trust and then have them make a decision. And I think it, it speaks to the kind of cluster F that's going on with this offseason. You're, you're right. When it comes to this offseason, coach should be not necessarily the last thing that's dealt with. It's definitely at the top of the list, but the – the organizational structure has to be kind of set no no matter what it is if you're if you or me are interviewing for a job and there's two choices there's the one organization where like everything's under control everything's streamlined i have no questions i have no debates i have no worries and then option b is this complete cluster f and i don't know what the heck is going on i don't know mm -hmm. who's making the decisions i don't know who's in my ear all the time. It's kind of a pretty obvious choice which organization anybody would go to. Well, and this is what, this is what makes, you know, and you, this is conversations really about Harris and sort of all of it will always come back to him as long as he owns the team. After the Brian Colangelo thing, which was insane, happened. Like, Especially they, they, the ending. <laughs> of course, it was absolutely bananas. But the Sixers were in such a good position as a franchise at that moment. You know, they had Simmons and Embiid, and uh, they had the Markel pick, but that, that was a wash, that was gone. Um, but they had guys like Covington and Sarge who they could trade or keep. They had Redick in the fold. They were in like a really enviable position, and I feel like could have really hired any candidate that they wanted. But instead, Harris said, we're gonna interview these people, but you may not bring in your own staff. Yeah. You may not get rid of Colangelo's people who didn't do a good job. Like, there was nothing invaluable about what Colangelo did. I mean, I've heard rumors about how Ned Cohen used to work for the league office. So, you know, Harris doesn't, <laughs> Harris doesn't want to fire a guy who's cozy with the commissioner. It's ridiculous. Like, well, Oh, well, listen, you can work you, for the commissioner if you want to, but, like, if you suck at your job, you deserve to get fired. You will not hire, like, a desirable candidate if you can't give them full control and let them make the decisions and hire their own staff. So, and that's why you get somebody like Elton Brand, no offense to Elton, but who had never done it before, you know, who had just started working with the organization in some capacity. So that's why, that's why they end up where they are today. They, they had such an attractive position and, you know, even with all they've done wrong, they still have Simmons and Embiid who still have room to improve and, you know, going into another year. So it's still not like the worst position, but they really need to, revamp the way they hire people it's nuts some work definitely needs to get done now josh of course is the principal owner and it's going to be really hard to 
get him in any kind of position where like he would even contemplate selling the team like as you right. said like he was he he and the the mark cubans of the world and these guys these like hedge fund guys that buy basketball teams like they're really hard to like get rid of so to speak right like i i don't i don't even know how bad it would have to get public relations wise or just the team not being good like i don't even know what it would take yeah, to, I mean, to me, it, it feels like uh, they, I would imagine that they see either owning or selling the team as a very binary decision. You know, it's like, I will own the team. Uh, I have, I'm making money this year, but if it makes me a lot more money to sell them, then I'll sell the team. And I think that the only case where that happens is um, if they own the arena, which doesn't look like it's going to happen unless they pony up their own cash. Right. So I mean, I think that the, I don't think we can bully him out of the job. I just don't, I don't think that uh, he cares about the opinion of the every man and every woman Sixer fan enough to let that happen. It would have to be, and I, you know, don't wish this on them or anybody, but it would have to be a scandal of some sort that like to where the commissioner and the league no longer want him to be the owner of the team. But can we, get, sort of that. can we get Josh Harris on record on, on tape saying some wild stuff? I, yeah, we need to get him to start dating <laughs> V. Stiviano. And then we have a chance. Can we get Josh Harris to visit one or more uh, <laughs> quote-unquote reputable Chinese massage establishments? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Again, I, mean, I don't know because Kraft is still owning the Patriots. So who knows? He is. He is. You know what? It's worth a shot. <laughs> I'm willing to try anything. Like, we can, <laughs> and we're desperate here. We can bull. Listen. We can bully a head coach. We can bully some <laughs> players. General manager. That's fine. Right. Like uh, owner seems to be that one ceiling we can't quite crack yet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still looking forward to this season amidst all of the cluster effery and like who knows what the heck is going to happen no matter when the season starts up again i'm going to be totally in things start to make sense i'm totally going to be in like if somehow al horford if somehow elton brand somehow magically transforms the al horford deal into bradley beal you know all is forgiven <laughs> that's fine right. elton you are you are we are good we are right. good my man that's it <laughs> um but how many can I ask you a question? Yes. How many of the Sixers opening day starters, which was Richardson, Simmons, um, Harris, Horford, and Bede, how many of them start for the Sixers when the season starts? God. Or uh, let's say on the roster. How many of them are on the roster? God. I mean, Horford is – they're going to try so hard to trade Horford. And I have been very much in the camp of – I don't care what we get from for him just as long as you know we're off that contract like right. i was down for i'm down for you know horford to charlotte for nick batum and like a second round pick right i'm down for like horford to the pelicans for lonzo ball and you know some one or two other trash contracts that are you know shorter, shorter. yeah right so I, I think Horford's definitely – Horford should definitely be out the door. Like, that did not work. Tobias, I don't know if he has the trade value anymore. Right. I don't think he has it. To get off of Tobias's contract, you're most likely going to have to package Richardson, possibly even Thibel too, and that is too rich for my blood. Yeah, I mean, 
so personally, I feel like Horford, I don't think there's any way he's on the team next year. I think Not a chance. I think they can't sell that to their franchise player, Embiid, who is like it, – it honestly looks like in between last year and this year, they went out and tried to make things as hard as possible for Simmons and Embiid. To yes. Like, we just have all of this information now that Horford can't play on the court while the other two best players are on the court. So, like, just as a show of good faith, you need to get him out of there and get more guys that can shoot onto the court. Uh, I don't think they'll get value for him. I don't think they really could. But I, I don't I even just, care I about it's value. addition by subtraction. You know, you exactly. need to get a center out of this lineup. Um, Harris, I, I don't think you could trade. I think that there's a chance in the new CBA that there will be an amnesty clause. I think that's the only way that they really get rid of Tobias, who is not a useless player. So I don't even know if they would do that right away. And I feel um, I would feel bad for Tobias in that position because he, he finally gets a home, somebody, a team that commits to him long term and it's just like, oh nope, sorry, contract is too much. We gotta I know. I really like Tobias. I think that his playoff performances have just been like so rough and it's and it's hard, especially when his price tag now is what it is. You know, it's it's not a good contract. Uh so I don't think any team would trade for it, but I do think that uh you know, if they could amnesty, they would think about it. But I do think Horford's definitely gone. I don't, I don't think there's a way he's back. I would be perfectly happy if just Horford was gone, like not really caring what we get back for. Like, that's fine. Right. It could be, it could be Joe basketball dude, 6'8", whatever. But if he has an expiring contract or it's only like two years, fine, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Expiring preferable, of course. Yeah, and then, I mean, there's Richardson, and I actually really like Josh. I think that Sixers fans weren't able to get the right view of him because I think he's a good player, but he's not a good enough offensive guard to be the only guard in your lineup. He's just not – that's not where he's at. But I think he's a really valuable player, and you look around the league and teams use guys like him that have his sort of makeup and personality and skills in, in really helpful ways. Uh, his contract makes it tough, and I think there's probably a decent chance he's not here. But I would be excited to see him in, like, a regular lineup with another guard. I, I said this to Sean last week on the podcast. Uh, Josh Richardson and possibly Alec Burks, future overpaid stars of the New York Knicks. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Steve, I appreciate you coming on and uh, trying to uh, trying to at least – explain why josh harris thinks that we're gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe it's just not gonna happen josh sorry <laughs> sorry that's just not how it works in this town uh i do thank you so much for having me i love the podcast it's good to talk to you tell all the people how they can find you and listen to you and all that good stuff on social media sure i'm at steve j Lipman uh on social media and uh the podcast comes out on mondays on the liberty ballers podcast network uh, just look that up and you'll get all of our stuff throughout the week. You'll you'll get his, you'll get mine. Uh, Dave Early has a new podcast that's fantastic. Everybody should just listen to that. Just just subscribe to the whole network. Just subscribe yeah. to the whole network. Listen to all the podcasts. Doesn't matter. All of them. Just listen to them all. We don't really that's have right. any basketball going on in this town. So if you need your Sixers fix, you know where to go. That's right. <laughs> Appreciate the time, Steve. Talk to you soon. Thank you, buddy. Have a good night. All right, you too.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. 